All right, well, good evening uh, here in the house and out there in uh, TV video land. Uh, welcome to our midweek service. Uh, we're going to hit part two of uh, the teaching, I Keep My Promises. Last week we talked about uh, how God initiated this teaching. I was having a conversation with him. and He um, just from time to time, you know, there's exchanges where you're making requests. There's exchanges where you're getting instruction. Um, but a lot of times there's exchanges where God's just encouraging you. And he was just reminding me, he said, Keith, I keep my promises. And it hit me so on my chest when that happens. I sit down and kind of ask God to expound or give me more insight. And that's where this teaching came from. And so, so we ended last week talking about... Um, how we must grow into living a kingdom life to obtain kingdom promises, you know, and that God is never to hold up our obediences, our obediences. And, and then we close out with the statement that I'm sure we'll repeat a lot for this teaching. Remember, God keeps his promises. Now, now just because we talked about, you know, uh, our goal is to grow into living a kingdom life to obtain kingdom promises, we also talked about last week how God's promises are for kingdom kids living a kingdom life. So, so think about it. It's, it's so a lot of our, a lot of the, you know, you need a patience after you've done the will of God, you might receive the promise. Um, you're under tutors and governors until the appointed time of the Father. All that is preparing us to be kingdom kids or heirs in the kingdom so we can um, not just have the promises. But there's a way God wants us to navigate and operate in and through them. So, so as we're talking about um, keeping God's promises, it's not independent of the kingdom of God. And when you see kingdom, you think of the word rule. It's a rule or uh, a king's dominion. It's a territory of rulership. Um, uh, we've been taught for years it's a system of operation. You know, you, you uh, Miles Monroe talked about it on his kingdom teaching how they colonized the Bahamas, you know. So basically, you know, they established a new government, a government that was extended from another place into the Bahamas. Same thing when the 13 states colonized, you know, here in America. There was a, another government being, being um, infused into this culture, and so they have an ambassador, and that ambassador kind of is there, almost like their consultant to make sure they've established their system of operations. They did this in Afghanistan a while ago. Once they took it over, they actually established government in, in Afghanistan, so they hung around until they pretty much had a democracy also, you know, because a lot of these places were ruled by communism. And so... Uh, scripture tells us for it to be on earth as it is in heaven, and that will be done by kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. So we're basically establishing heaven on earth, you know. That's the Lord's prayer, you know, um, for it to be on earth as it is in heaven. And so, so to do that, we have to renew our mind, Romans 12, 2, right? We have to renew our mind. The scripture says, be not conformed to this world. So, so you're in this world, as we talked about last week, but you're not of this world. You're in this world, but you're not of this world. You know, Jesus said, hey, they're in the world, but they're not of the world. They're not, you know. I, so, so being in this world, you, we were infused in this world to, to pour out all of God and his presence, peace, and power in this culture, right? So that's why Scripture tells us to uh, transform, not be conformed, right? Transform, not be conformed, right? And so, so we have to be renewed in our mind, a new way of thinking, right? Then also, Ephesians uh, 4.23, it says, be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And so, so, so and, and I'm sure we'll revisit this as just a part of uh, our lives as, as growing as Christians. We'll go over to renewing the mind again. I had a young man, an athlete, we went over renewing the mind for an entire year, once a week, um, and so when the scripture says renew your mind, be not conformed to the world, be, be, be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that's your conscious. Renewing your mind is your conscious. Your conscious is that's where uh, 
Uh, that's your mental ascent. That's on the surface when you sit here and you hear something. You go, you know what? Man, I never looked at it that way. You know, as we've been growing, there's stuff that we hear. We go, you know, I never looked at it that way. I've actually been doing it the wrong way. I'm going to shift some things. So what did you say at that moment? You agreed to change, correct? But we don't change because we agreed to change. That just, that gets us in the door. Now we have to be consistent in what we said we're going to do different. So now that brings us to being renewed in the spirit of your mind, right? That's your subconscious. That's what you do without thinking about it. You know, so when you're first taught a new way of doing things, you know, you first come to the kingdom, you had habits. When you first got serious about God, you had, you had habits. Well, those, those old habits aren't going to change just because you, you got some new information. You're going to have to re- repeat this stuff over and over and over. When you first learn how to ride a bike, you get on a bike and you're trying to keep your balance. You got to keep doing that thing every day where your default is keeping your balance and riding the bike. So now you do it without thinking about it, right? You just get on a bike and start riding. And so God wants the kingdom of God or, or operating God's ways, ways of doing things. to be, He wants us doing that without thinking about it, right? He wants us doing that without thinking about it. And so we're born again into this kingdom. You know, uh, John 3, 1 through 3, let's, let's just look at it real quick. Again, we're talking about promises, but they're attached to living this kingdom life. And this kingdom life starts when we're born again, when we convert from this old life into a new nature, right? And so John 3, verse 1, it says, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus. He says, a ruler of the Jews, the same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. And this is somebody that was operating with a higher echelon but snuck to see Jesus, right? Because he was like, okay, y'all talking this trash, but I actually see this guy and his miracles. He got to be from God, so I'm going to go talk to him, get some insight. Jesus answered and said unto him, verily, verily, I say unto thee, so now he's, he, he's pumping them up, but Jesus' response is, hey, verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. He can't see where I came from and how we operate. It's going to be craziness to him. So Nicodemus said unto him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? So Jesus said, okay, I see where you're coming from, natural birth and Let me explain to you how supernatural birth operates. So Jesus answered, verse 5, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water. So that's what Nicodemus was talking about, your natural birth, right? But then he said, and of the spirit, he cannot enter in the kingdom of God. So you said, just like you were submerged in water and you was birthed into the earth realm, you have to be submerged in the spirit to be birthed into the kingdom of God or the heaven realm, right? And he said, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, but that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Marvel not, I say unto thee, you must be born again. Right? So he's breaking down the process of how we need to start to operate in terms of crossing over into a kingdom life, which, of course, facilitates us accessing kingdom promises. So you're submerged in this spiritual incubator, Right? Just like an incubator keeps the eggs under conditions favorable for development, um, you know, keeps them warm and favorable for development. It sustains life. It gives them the moisture and allows them to grow. Well, when you're in a spiritual environment, the same things happen. You're in an environment where now you can transform, not just be dormant and conforming, right? And so, so again, when you start to uh, involve yourself in worship, opening your heart to worship, open your heart to the word, open your heart of the kingdom of God and the fellowship of the things of God, because you have to be vulnerable with fellowship, right? When you open your heart to serving, because you have to give of yourself to serve, what happens is now your heart starts to get saturated and the impartation you can receive, you can absorb, Right? So, because it's amazing that everything that hardens struggles to grow. 
You know, if you have a ground that's hard, it struggles to grow grass. When we're hard, we struggle to grow because we're protecting ourselves from hurt, but we're blocking out help. You can't receive nothing when you're callous and hard. See, only the saturated life grows rapidly. Only the saturated life grows rapidly. And that saturated life grows, to, grows in a position where now they can receive and handle the promises of God, right? So again, the statement, I keep my promises, uh, covers a, a, a vast variety of angles. It's saying, hey, go ahead and embrace the preparation because I keep my promises. You only have to stop and look for the promises. That part's covered. Your ability to handle it is not. That part's covered. Your preparation to be able to navigate through it is not. That part's covered. Your ability to recognize what to do and, and when to do it and to see it is not. Okay? But, 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 but rest assured, as you're navigating through your side of keeping, doing my will, the promises is already taken care of because I keep my promises. So you don't have to keep stopping to go, okay, now I'm, I'm getting deeper into this. I'm investing more of myself. I'm giving more of myself. I'm letting go of some of my ways of doing things. I'm, I'm letting go of this path I was taking. Okay, you, you still want to do your promise, right? And every time you look, I keep my promises. Every time you look over your shoulder, I keep my promises. Man, just keep on going, man. Why you keep stopping, right? Because I'm about to go deeper, and the deeper I get, the more I have to let go. And the more I let go, now I'm not in control, and there's a chance that if, if you don't keep your promises, I'm just going to be out here with nothing, right? But every time you look back, you get this reminder, I keep my promises, right? And so, so it's all about sustaining the life of your spirit by maintaining the environment it's used to. Therefore, obtaining, take possession of, taking possession of the kingdom life on earth. So it's all about sustaining the life of your spirit by maintaining the environment it's used to, your spirit is used to. Therefore, obtaining or take, taking possession of the kingdom life, right? When you are taking possession of the kingdom life on earth, you attract God's promises. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, what? And all things will be added unto you. So, so when we maintain this app, this, this atmosphere, it enables us to live a, a life, uh, enables us to live on earth as it is in heaven. You know, Matthew 6.10, the Lord's Prayer. And that's, that's God's goal. He wants us to live a life of heaven on earth because he loves us. So, so now when, when we cross over to, to embrace the kingdom and do what we take to see and enter into the kingdom, it positions us to inherit and handle God's promises. So it positions us to handle and inherit God's promises or inherit and handle God's promise. So inherit means to take possession of, right? So we're able to possess his promises, but also handle his promises, inherit and handle his promises. So, so again, I spent some time just letting us know this saturated or this marinated life of the spirit, right? Um, you know, taking on, just staying in the atmosphere of the kingdom of God, you know, working to uh, just live saturated in God's presence. Because remember, born of the spirit, submerged in the, no, born of water and of the spirit, submerged in water, submerged in the spirit. So to be submerged in the spirit, you're saturated by the spirit. You're engulfed. You're buried, right? You're buried with him in baptism, which Scripture talks about, right? So this saturated life is the believe to see and receive life. This, the saturated life is the believe to see and receive life. See, I'm so saturated. Remember, uh, if you're born of the water, if, if you're not born again, you can't see the kingdom of God. Well, you definitely ain't going to be looking for his promises. And if you're not looking for his promises or believe that he keeps his promises because you can't see him and you can't see the promise keeper so you don't believe that the promises are coming, well, now you're going to live a fearful, desperate life. So when you live a fearful, desperate life, you're more apt to take bribes, right? 
you're more apt to compromise. Why? Because you think nothing else is coming. But if you believe God keeps his promises, you can see the promises. They're so clear. You can see them. Now you make your decisions patiently. You're not rushing to anything. You're allowing God to resurrect you from where you're at, right? Right? So it's the saturated life is the believe to see and receive life, right? So let's look here at Mark 11. Mark 11. Again, we're talking from the the foundation of I keep my promises. That's what God communicated to me to communicate to us. All right. So Mark chapter 11, familiar uh, passage here at Air Christian Center Church. It's uh, Mark 11. We're going to hit verse 22. And Jesus answering said unto them. Now, this is after he had cursed the fig tree and he came back around. And they said, Master, look, the fig tree is cursed. And so, so Jesus answered their response to seeing him speak to something and what he spoke happened to it, right? Jesus answered, said unto them, have faith in God. So he, so he understood their response was like, wow, how'd you do that? And before they asked how you do it, he said, listen, have faith in God. Oh, wait, 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 wait. It, it attaches to what we're talking about. He said, I keep my promises. Have faith in God that he keeps his promises, right? And then he goes on to, to break it down further, right? Jesus said, for verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea and shall not doubt, be double-minded in his heart, but shall believe those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. Therefore I say unto you, whatsoever things you desire, when ye pray, look, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. See, so it's the believe to see, not to see to believe life, it's the believe to see and receive life. Remember Thomas said, I believe it when I receive it. And Jesus said, well, well, blessed is the person that believes and has not seen, right? Yeah, blessed is the person that believes I keep my promises before they've manifested because you can't just wait till it manifests, right? You got to believe ahead of time and then advance, prepare yourself to handle what you're going to inherit. So you got to believe on the front end before you make... Jesus had to believe that God was going to resurrect him before he gave his life. He had to go through a process to show how to believe in the midst of um, uncertainty. So look, let's go here to Romans 4. I keep my promises is what God is encouraging us with. And if we can wrap our mind around that, and, and, and I get it. This is the hard part because a lot of times we live most of our life not seeing Believing, expecting, or knowing God keeps his promises. Because a lot of times, even, even us that's been around church and stuff like that, we haven't really had faith to see outside of what we can control, touch, and feel. Not because we're evil, because a lot of times we grow up in a lot of religious, you know, environments, right? So it's just as long as you pack, practice the rituals, you're good. You know what I'm saying? Like, and you... And, and, it's just been handed down, rituals. As long as I practice rituals or go to certain churches, as long as I don't have my, my skirt a certain way, as long as I don't have no makeup on, you know, as long as I pay my dues, you know, certain churches you got to pay dues, you know, you, you, as soon as you, as soon as you, uh, uh, I'm trying to be nice, but yeah, as soon as you, you get your right hand of fellowship, then you get your, you get your envelopes, right? You got to fill out your envelopes and pay your dues. So as long as you do those things, and then, you know, then when it's time to pay the dues, you got to come up and give it in a box, right? So some people are going to get up and get in the box. And so you just feel, hey, every time it's time to go up in the box, I drop something in the box. So, so I know such and such, he don't drop nothing in the box. So your significance is who dropped something in the box and who didn't, not, is God real? And if God's real, I'm here for a purpose. And God has promised me some things in fulfilling that purpose. So every time I, I, I grow, he shows me things that, I, that, that no one's ever seen. 
That's God. If all you ever saw is what's all only been done, what do you need God for? <laughs> you know, <laughs> okay, I'm jumping ahead. All right, let's go to, uh, I said Romans 4. All right, this is uh, Abraham. We're about to talk about Abraham for a little minute here. But Abraham, I mean, Romans 4 verse, well, I wanted to start at verse 17. But I think I should start at verse 13. It says, for the promise that he should be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. For if they which are of the law be heirs, faith is made void and the promise made of none effect. So basically when it's saying that, it says the promise was not made through them keeping any particular ritual, which they had done up to that point. We'll get into that in a second. It says, because the law worketh wrath, and, and where no law is, there is no transgression. You know, you don't have to keep up with all these rituals. Therefore, it is, it is a faith that it might, be, um, it might be by grace to the end, the promise might be sure to all the seed, not to that only which is um, of the law, but to that also which is of, faith, of, the, of the faith of Abraham who is the father of us all. So what it's saying is when things started out, you had people that God had chosen people to draw other people into his presence. You know, he chose children, you know, the selected children, right? So if you wasn't within their culture and following their rituals, like you, you know, you, you weren't a part of the, the team. That's why, remember when Jesus met the woman at the well, she was like, well, hold on a second. Like, well, you know, he's supposed to be talking to y'all. And then, like, you know, like this, this is not supposed to be an exchange based on ritual, right? But this is saying uh, a lot of us have been allowed into these promises uh, through the faith of Abraham, right? So we attach our faith to it. So it's by our faith that we see ourselves as worthy of the same promises that at one time only a selected group of people could receive, right? You got me? I, I mean, not trying to get deep, but just trying to give it somewhat of an understanding. All right, verse 17, it says, as is written, I have made thee a father of many nations. This is, was promised to Abraham. It says, before him whom he believed, even God. It says, who quickeneth or makes alive, quickeneth the dead and calleth those things which be not as though they were, Right? And then if we drop down here to verse 20, it says, look, it's talking about Abraham. Well, I, I keep reading verse 18. It says, Who's, who against hope believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations, according to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be, according to the promise. 19, and being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body, now dead, uh, when he was about 100 years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. Verse 21, and being fully persuaded that what he had promised, what God had promised, he was able to perform. He was fully persuaded that God, when God said, I keep my promises, it's going to happen, right? And therefore, it was imputed to him for righteousness. So it was imputed to him for You've, you're, you're approved to receive the promises because you believe I keep them. Not because you, 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 made, you kept the ritual, but because you believe by faith, I'm going to keep my promise. So that imparted to him as, as your seal to receive the promise, his faith. And see, our faith is exercised by our actions. It's not just what we say. See, Abraham had to operate a certain way, even when he, when he was willing to sacrifice Isaac, right? He had to operate a particular way. We don't have time to get into this, but the Kamash talks about the 10 tests Abraham went through. He went through some tests. But we'll, 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 uh, we'll get into that later. Let's go here to Genesis 12. You know, this is where, where this all, you know, this is our reference for God's promise to Abraham that because of our faith, we're getting to benefit from, okay? 
So Genesis 12, 1 through 3. It says, Now the Lord said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show you. Uh, the Kamash says, uh, uh, Now go for yourself. Because you know, if you study out Abraham, he was very compliant in what? The rituals. Right? His, his, his significance was keeping up with all of their traditional rituals. Right? And God was like, okay, now I want you to separate yourself from familiar and, and go for yourself. And now uh, 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 a mantle of chosenness was put on him at that particular time. Verse 2. It says, look, and I will make thee a great nation, a great people, and I will bless thee. I will make thy name great. Who will make his name great? God. He didn't say... Abraham, now you got to work to make your name great. That's not what he said. He says, I'm going to make your name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. He says, I will bless them that bless thee, curse them that curse thee. So he said, even as you navigate people hate, those that hate go end up being cursed. If they curse you, they're going to end up being cursed. So you don't even have to worry about protecting yourself, right? You just have to have faith that I keep my promises, right? And it says that in thee, shall all the families of earth be blessed. There's a key point there. So not just the, the lineage that you came through. He says, all the families shall be blessed. So now I'm, I'm, I'm starting something else. I'm beginning something new. See, the first 2,000 years was called the era of desolation. And, 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 and that's when Adam fell, Abel, uh, Abel murdered, Idolatry was introduced, if you study out, 10 generations didn't do it exactly the way God planned, so he washed them away, right? Uh, and, and he tried to reset things with Noah first, you remember? Now, now, the Bible is not written natural chronologically. You know, we'll get into this in our other teaching, rightly dividing the word. It is spiritually chronologically. But it's not naturally chronologically. Because if you study it out, Abraham was, Noah was still living when Abraham was born. Right? And so, so what God was doing, because right after they did the whole flood thing and there was, there was a reset, Nimrod grew. And see, all, these, they, all of them was around the same time. Nimrod, uh, Noah, Abraham. Nimrod grew and he, he tried to, he was influenced by the devil to build that tower. And so now there was, those, those 10 generations was dispersed. Now that, that was the great disbursement. Right after that, you have on a, on, right before Noah passed and right on the heels of all this, Abraham's birth. Abraham was, was birthed into the earth to start to reset things. To reset things the right way, not just cleansing everybody out and we're going to start afresh with new people. No, we're going we're gonna to do things right. We're going to start a new covenant at that particular point. So God was establishing his covenant with someone who he knew would fulfill the reason why we were all chosen. Remember, remember I know Abraham. He's going to guide his people after me. Remember when God started talking about Abraham? Oh, I know him. I know what Abraham was going to do. And so now he's, he establishes covenant with someone he wants to duplicate and reproduce to, and that's Abraham, right? So he understood that now mankind would trust, mankind would trust their creator and not be tempted to worship the creation. See, see up to that point, they, they started to shift and started worshiping creation. That's what idolatry and stuff came in, Right? And he says, but, but with Abraham, he's going to guide everybody into worshiping creator, like their soul creator, not just get caught up in creating gods and golden calves and all types of stuff, right? All right, so, so, so this, is what, this, this is why this promise was established. And let's look here. So he established the promise, but remember he told him to leave everybody, right? And so let's drop down here to... Uh, uh, let me see. Hold on. Let me see if I got this right. All right. So 
It's Genesis 13, 14 through 18. I know I probably got it wrong for the people watching online. But Genesis 13, 14 through 18. It says, and the Lord said unto Abraham, after that Lot was separated from him. See, when he first left, he took Lot with him. Because a part of his flow was, I got to take care of my dad. You know, I got to be, you know, and then, you know, my, my, my brother died. I got to take care of my brother's son. So he was still operating off of compliance. But God said, listen, separate from that. I keep my promise and let me take care of you from there. You see what I'm saying? But at first it was hard for him. But when he finally, because, you know, his people, lots of people had some strife, when he finally separated from him, not trying to get too deep, but I'm trying to move us towards understanding God's whole operation of promises. In verse 14, it says, the Lord said unto Abraham, after that lot was separated from him, lift up now uh, thine eyes and look from the place where thou art, northward and southward and eastward and westward. For all the land which thou seest to thee will I, will I give it and to thy seed, look, forever. See, that would include us. It says, and I will make thy seed as the dust of the earth, so that if a man can number the dust of the earth, then shall thy seed be numbered. Arise, walk through the land in the length of it and in the breadth of it, for I will give it unto thee. Then Abraham removed his tent and came and dwelt in the plain of Mari, Mamre, I'm sorry, which is in Hebron, and built there an altar unto the Lord. So here, yeah, God's operating his promises. He needed Abraham to shift some things. After you've done the will of God, you might receive the promise. And then once he, he, he started to line up with what God said, he spoke something in his life. So God's fulfillment of his promises is our reset. God's fulfillment of his promises are his reset. So when he, when he spoke into, to Abraham, he was resetting how he really established things from the beginning. We've been engrafted into these same promises because God is still making sure we draw people to the creator because ultimately it's about eternity, right? Eternity with the creator. If people get conformed to worship and creation, when the last days come, those people will burn in hell, right? Because this is our temporary life, not our eternal life. So God's fulfillment of his promises is our reset. It's him making all things new. Let's look here at Isaiah 43. So when you, when you tap into uh, the promises of God, not just in the word, but the promises he has for you, your particular life and birthing you here, and what happens is when we clear out all the noise, we recognize God's promises, but they're not new promises. They just, we just picked up on them, right? We just picked up on them. You know, he's been probably speaking them to us for years. Some of them we didn't want to believe. Some of them we didn't want to hear. Some of them we thought it would cost us more than we were willing to give. All right, so Isaiah 43, 19, it says, Behold, I will do a new thing. Look, now it shall spring forth. Shall, not, shall ye not know it? Because you're going to know it now. I will even make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. So he says, now, see, see, so I'm, 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 I'm looking to do something new. And that's why, remember I said it's hard for something hard to grow, to grow rapidly. Sometimes we get so hard or so stubborn on what we had thought about doing. And then, you know, again, we could skip over purpose for ego and, and we're so busy trying to protect our ego at the expense of fulfillment. And God is trying to get us to do things, but we're so hard on, yeah, but this is the way I've always done it. This is the way I've done it. But if, if this work, I really didn't mess up. It's God you're dealing with. You're not dealing with a human being. So what's, what's wrong with recognizing you messed up in front of God? <laughs> he, has the, he has infinite intelligence. We're not, we ain't rolling like that. All of us have messed up in front of God. Right? And so, so, so when God's trying to do something new and we're trying to hold on to the old just to uh, feed our ego, and that's dangerous. All right, so Genesis 17, let's look at here real quick. Again, God keeps his promises. And, and I'm, I'm setting a foundation for just, you know, next couple of weeks when we talk about this so we understand God's been operating this way for a while. 
right, so Genesis 17, verse 1. It says, when Abram was 90 years old and nine. So this is a year before who's being birthed? Isaac. It says, when he was 99, the Lord appeared unto Abram and said unto thee, I am the Lord Almighty God. Walk before me and be thou perfect. Right? It says, and I will make my covenant between me and thee, and I will multiply thee exceedingly. And Abraham fell on his face, and God talked with him, saying, You know, as for me, behold, my covenant is with thee, and thou shalt be a father of many nations. Right? And then he changed his name from Abram to Abraham. Or it says, Neither shall thy name uh, any more be called Abram, but thy name shall be Abraham, for a father of many nations I have made thee. And I will make thee exceedingly fruitful. You'll produce a lot. And I will make nations of thee. And kings shall come out of thee. Look at verse 7. And I will establish my covenant between me and thee and thy seed. That's all of us. Look, and after thee in their generations for an everlasting covenant to be a God unto thee and to thy seed after thee. And I will give unto thee and to thy seed after thee, the land where thou art a stranger, all the land of Canaan for an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. So God, had, he established his covenant. He talked about everlasting. He talked about forever. Like, he talked about to thy seed. He talked about to the seed after thee. Like, so, so, so God is keeping his promise that he made. He's not a man that he should lie. Right? He, you know. He established it. He said, you know, he said for an everlasting possession, right? Let's go here, Deuteronomy 7. I think this is, you know, another confirmation out of the mouth of two or three witnesses. Deuteronomy 7, and we'll start here at verse 6. It says, uh, let's see, okay. It says, for thou art a holy people unto the Lord thy God. The Lord thy God has chosen thee to be a special people unto himself above all the people that are upon the face of the earth. And the Lord did not set his love upon you, nor choose you, because you were more in number than any people. For ye were the fewest of all people. And because the Lord loved you, and because he would keep the oath which he had sworn unto your fathers. We, we just talked about that. Has the Lord brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you out of the house of bombing from the hand of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt? Know therefore that, that know therefore that the Lord thy God, He is God, the faithful God, which keepeth covenant and mercy with them that love Him, and keep His commandments to a thousand generations. Like 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 God doesn't play. You drop down here, in verse twelve. It says, "Wherefore it shall come to pass if ye hearken to these judgments." And keep and do them that the Lord thy God shall keep unto thee the covenant and the mercy which he sware unto thy fathers. And he will love thee and bless thee and multiply thee. And he will also bless the fruit of thy womb and the fruit of thy land and thy corn and thy wine and thine oil and the increase of thine kind or, or your animals and the flocks of thy sheep in the land which he sware, look, unto thy fathers to give thee. And thou shalt be blessed above all people. There shall not be male or female barren without producing among you and among your cattle. Right? It says, and the Lord will take away from thee all sickness and put none of the evil diseases of Egypt, which thou knowest upon thee, but will lay them upon all them that hate thee. So these are things that God has constantly been promising, like he's constantly promising, he's, he, he was constantly reminding um, uh, his people through, through, through 
every journey, he said, listen, man, all you got to do is just keep my will. And, and keeping his will is stay in my presence, stay in the atmosphere that's conducive to, for you to see me, for you to see I'm real, for you to see I come through. Don't cloud yourself because you're going to second guess me. You know, you think about you spend time away from somebody you really care about. You start to second guess even if, okay, what are they doing? You know, they call you up, you're like, so what you doing? I'm not doing nothing. No, 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 specifically, what are you doing? Well, I caught you three times earlier. I, I think I was asleep or in the shower. Which one was it? Would you sleep or in the shower? How long does it take you to take a shower? <laughs> See, all of a sudden, that distance and that lack of exchange creates insecurity. Well, it's the same thing with God. You stop spending time around him, the adversary always trying to get in there. He start having you second guess. God keep his promises. So maybe that, maybe that, that, that bribe is not a bribe. That might be a blessing from God. You know, I know he told me what he was going to birth in my life, but maybe he needs my help. So I need to take my Hagar in my life and create my own promise from God because he might not come through on his promise. Seems like it's taking a while. I don't care how long it's taking. God honors his promise. You remember Abraham said, hey, old, that you would bless uh, Ishmael before. He was like, that's not the child. I said I was producing. Like I said, <laughs> I'm going to produce a child. When he told him uh, in, in, in uh, Genesis 17 to circumcise himself, that was also so Isaac would be born into covenant. That was right before Isaac was born, but he wanted him to be born in the covenant, so he told him to circumcise himself, establish yourself in covenant with me. So now when Isaac is born, he's born into covenant. I mean, you have to trust I studied that out, okay? <laughs> right, so, 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 so everything, everything God does is intentional. So this is the thing. Man's highest goal is to accept God's wisdom and promises as the sole truth. Accept God's wisdom and promises as the sole truth. So if you read it, if God said it, that settles it. It's done. See, once you, and I remember I was in corrections and a young man was cursing at me. And I said, you know, and, I, and the Lord had to give me, when I was in upstate New York, I, I cursed too. So, you know, I was trying to strong arm or punk the kid. You know, that, that was my way of working. But when I was, as a Christian, you can't do that. You tend to be grabbing kids and stuff like that. And then I stopped cursing. I wasn't. So young man was cursing at me. So, so what I would do is go, oh, man, sorry, man, I can't even hear you. No, no, man, that's, because you get all that ugly out your mouth. I can't hear you. And he's like, see, there you go. There you go, Mr. Bradley. There you go. The Bible don't say nothing about cursing. I gave him Colossians 3, 8 through 10. I've told this story a thousand times. You know that boy stopped cursing because it was in the Bible? I wish we could operate like that. Just because it was, he found that it was in the Bible, he stopped cursing. Wish we could roll like that. As soon as we see it in the Bible, uh-oh, this is in there. <laughs> right? All right, so let's go here to something that's in the Bible. Uh, let's go to Galatians 3. See, Abraham went through all, Abraham received the promises, but he had went through a lot of tests. It was really 10 tests total, but his test was an example how a great man obtains, maintains, and reproduces God's promises. Abraham's tests were an example of how a great man obtains, maintains, and reproduces God's promises. It's not enough just to obtain, we want to maintain. It's not enough to maintain, we want to reproduce, right? Some people are happy just getting it, um, and then they just fall from there. All right, so Galatians 3.13, this is how we get involved in all this. It says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. Paid the price, okay? It says, being made a curse for us, for it is written, cursed is everyone that hangeth on the tree. It says that the, look, look, look. This is why, that the blessing of Abraham might come unto the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith, right? So, 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 so to give us access. So Christ died to give us access to these promises. 
uh, let's drop down here to verse 29. Galatians 3, 29. And we're going to read through the uh, 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 chapter 4 through 2, the heirs scripture. But Galatians 3.29, it says, and if Christ, and if you be Christ, then ye are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. It says, now I say that the heir, so now we're heirs according to the promise, the heir, as long as he's a child, differs nothing from a servant, though he be Lord of all. It says, but it's under tutors and governors to the appointed time of the father. Now, why is those scriptures merged? Because the original text was not in chapter and verse. It was just written right through. So you can connect those. Well, well why? Because what he was saying is, okay, because of what Christ did, we no longer have to, to operate through rituals, right? We don't have to operate through rituals because of what Christ did. Basically, we're redeemed from religious, religious ritual and given access to relationships. We're redeemed from religious ritual and giving, given access to relationship, right? And so now that we have access to relationship, okay, so, so when I'm, when I, this is good because this is where people get confused. And it's understandable how, they get, how you can get confused through, well, it's not under the law, it's under grace. Okay, it's not, you don't have to pay for atonement, Right? You have atonement through grace. Something else you have from grace. You have these, you have access as an heir through grace. You've been saved by grace through faith. Not of yourself as the gift of God, right? Not of works, lest any man should boast. So, so now at that point, I don't have to operate ritual to receive any promises, right? I have to, but by faith, I receive the promise. So that's one piece. There's another piece, though. The other piece is, it just says, as after it said that you have access as heirs according to the promise, it says, but an heir, okay, so now I'm an heir. I'm an heir through what? Faith, right? As an heir, now I operate as an heir. An heir is no different than a servant as long as he's a child. He's under tutors and governors to the point in time of the father. So I'm an heir, but I don't automatically get the inheritance until I'm ready to handle it. So, so, so now, yes, I have access to all these things by grace, but I don't get them until I'm ready to handle them. So that's why you have need of patience after you've done the will of God, you might receive the promise. That's why you're under tutors and governments to the point of time of the Father. You see what I'm saying? It's, 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 not, it's not a ritualistic punishment that's unnecessary. Like, it's already mine, but I'm going to make you pay. I'm going to have you jumping through hoops. That's what was happening before. No, no, you don't have to jump through hoops, but you do have to prepare to handle it. Because I, see, because I don't just want you to obtain, I want you to maintain. I don't want you just to maintain and just be about me, my four, no more. I want you to reproduce. Right? So I have to teach you how to do that. Anything in God's kingdom should, should be living. And it lives through reproduction. Way back in Genesis, that was the first thing. Well, have dominion, be fruitful, multiply, and replenish. Let it live. So, you, so, so, so that's why we give seed. That's why we tithe. That's, that's why we give our, our, our time and our gifts, present ourselves as a living sacrifice. So not, we don't just benefit, but everybody that comes in contact with us benefit. It lives. But like, right now, there's, there, there's, there's people in my family living Though they were buried, they're living through the life I live. We're Abraham's seed. Abraham's living through the life we live. You see what I'm saying? You, you, you extend the life by the life you live, right? Not sitting around and just, 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 uh, just uh, memorializing the life. No, you live and, 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 and do some of the things that the person had to pass the mantle on for you to do. But if they, didn't, if they didn't impact you, you might not be inspired to do that. All right, so let's just keep going here. Um, Acts 7. Uh, Pastor Mel re referenced Acts 7, 17 last week. 
But I want to read a little more than that. X7, X7, X7. Uh, Acts 7, verse 17. It says, but when the time of the promise drew nigh. So he's still talking about the promise. Which God had sworn to who? Abraham. The people grew and multiplied Egypt. Now this is, you know, they're breaking down. You know, uh, Stephen's giving a sermon. This is why they stoned. Because <laughs> he started breaking it down. Like, like, if you read this, you know, if, if you do any daily reading and you're reading through Acts, when you get to 7, don't try to rush because you're going to be there a minute. You know, 7-7 seven, seven is a, a little longer chapter because Stephen's going through the history. All right, so he starts to break down the process. And he said, when the promise drew nigh, which God has sworn to Abraham, the people grew and multiplied in Egypt. So, so, so again, there was, there was Joseph who set everybody up by getting favor in, in his dream. But then that Pharaoh died. So the, the, the next pharaoh panicked and was like, like, okay, I don't know if they're going to stay, they're going to be loyal to us. When the promise drew nigh, it was God time, time for God to operate in his promise, he had his children grow knowing it was going to provoke pharaoh. He was going to get scared. They might take over. So that's when they started to be uh, hard tasks. And then they grew even more. So that's when they started to like, they was treat, see, they was trying to break them down before they realized, oh, wait a minute, there's more of us than them. Like, why are we doing what they asked us to do? And why are we building pyramids? We can build what we want to build. <laughs> what, what they going to do? So, so, so they, they got in their head and make them think that, that, that uh, they were less than they were. But, but see, God still was moving to keep his promise, right? And that, what was that, 17? Uh, let's see, do we got time? Do we got time? Yeah, we got time. Let's, let's read 18. It says, till another king arose which knew not Joseph. That's what I just told you. It says, the same dealt subtly with our kindred and evil entreated our fathers. Now notice he's talking, our fathers, they were a long time ago. He's, he's, teaching, he's speaking as we're all connected. He says, he says our fathers, so that they cast out their young children to the end that they might not live, in which time Moses was born and was exceeding fair and nourished up of his father's house three months. And when he was cast out, Pharaoh's daughter took him up and nourished him for her own son. And Moses learned in all wisdom, all the wisdom of Egypt, of the Egyptians, and was mighty in words and deeds. So he's learning the enemy in the enemy's camp, right? And when he was full 40 years old, it, it came into his heart, look, look, to visit his brethren, the children of Israel. In 40 years, something hit him that didn't normally hit him. See, things be hitting us and we dismiss it. So, so now he was, he was chilling. He, listen. He was rolling with the heir to Pharaoh's throne, but had more favor than, than the actual blood. So, so he could have just, <laughs> I'm cushy, but it came into his heart, the same people that was, was enslaved serving him, that he needed, to, he needed to do something for. He needed to be around. He needed to get back in, involved with them. Uh, his brother children, 24. Seeing one of them suffer wrong, he defended him and avenged him that he was oppressed and smote the Egyptian. For he supposed his brethren would have understood how that God by his hand would deliver them, but they understood not. Now, why would he assume that they would do that? God was talking to him and was revealing to him purpose. And so he believed the purpose, but, but remember, remember when he told Abraham, I'll make your name great? He didn't tell Abraham, you make your name great. Moses believed what God said, but he thought he had to do it. This is where we get in trouble, right? 
uh, it says, but they understood not. Verse 26. See, the reason why they understand is because he was outside of his time, and we'll get to that in a second. Verse 26, and the next day he showed himself unto them as they strove and would have set them at one again, saying, sirs, ye are brethren, why do ye wrong one another? So he figures, hey, I helped them yesterday. When I come back, they're going to be like, yo, that's the dude that looked out. And so now he's trying to guide them on how to be in harmony, which was going to be his job. But he did it too soon. It says, but, but look, look. But he that did his neighbor wrong thrust him away, saying, who made thee a ruler and judge over us? So, so, so we've been in stages in our life where we've been misunderstood at different levels because it's been our might and our hands and our orchestration. And then, we're gonna, then we walk around scarred because we pushed ourselves into a place that God didn't send us. Right? And then now we, we gun shy. You know, like, well, the last time I did, key point, last time you did. But if you go with God, you'll get different results. All right? All right, so verse 28. It says, will thou kill me as thou did the Egyptian yesterday? <laughs> so now <laughs> they, they put him on blast. It's on the news. Hey, that's the, that's the, that's the murderer right there. That's the murderer. He's like, but I'm trying to help. How many of us have been in a situation where we're trying to help and somebody flipped it into us being the enemy, right? It says, uh, uh, verse 29, then fled Moses at this saying and was a stranger in the land of Midian where he begat two sons. Okay, this is familiar to us. When we dealt with that rejection, when we dealt with that misunderstanding, what we do? We ran. Now, he ran to Midian. We ran to Jack Daniels. We ran to weed. We ran to all types. We ran to sex and lust and, and all types of stuff. We ran to money. Right? Y'all know what I'm talking about? <laughs> Do we have to prophetically, like... <laughs> all right, so verse 30. It says, and, and when another... Look, so, so remember, you went through a 40-year process. Look, and when 40 years were expired... There appeared to him in the wilderness Mount Sinai, angel of the Lord in the flame of fire in a bush. And when Moses saw it, he wondered at the sight, and he drew near to behold it. The voice of the Lord came unto him, saying, I am God. I am the God of thy fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, still referencing all the other promises he had with them. He said, then Moses trembled and durst not behold. Then said the Lord unto him, put off thy shoes from thy feet for the place where thou standest is holy ground. And I have seen, and I have, it says, I have seen, I have seen the affliction of my people, which is in Egypt, and I have heard their groanings, and I am come down to deliver them, and now come, and now come, I will send thee into Egypt. See, so God was, is constantly mindful of his promises, but you see this process now, 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 the reason why Moses went through stuff like we go through stuff, uh, and I got this from Chandler Moore on the, um, the new uh, Tribal in Atlanta album. He did a, a teaching on, uh, on uh, I think you're not, uh, well, there's only one teaching on the album. I think, I think <laughs> Song 9 is a, is, is a teaching. But he says something. He says, there's a danger, a danger to destiny is pre premature arrival. He says, so, so Moses' issue, yes, was prematurely taking the guy out, but that wasn't, that was against man. Where he erred against God was he was, he was premature in, in delivering the people. See, so sometimes our prematurity has caused us to go into a retreat. It's caused us to have a best, bad taste in moving forward. You know, we deal with this because Heirs Christian Center Church has been designed as a refuge. If you go through the website, from, from, you find anything old, you'll see it's a refuge. And the thing about a refuge is a place where people can come um, for safety. People can come and heal. People can come and be strengthened. People can come and grow. But guess what? A lot of hurting people come to refuge. And so when you first start a church, when you're planning a church, now of course we pioneer planet by uh, we didn't know it was going to pioneer plant, but we, the goal was to plant. Hey, we didn't know it was just going to be me and her. 
But so, so you, 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 if you study out, you have all these different models for how to start a church. So you got a team, uh, and then they'll tell you, go after the unchurched. All the models for planting a church, this is whatever you do, target people that are unchurched because they have no background. Right, they have. It's just like uh, uh, you go into a new relationship. Go to go into a new relationship. Go to somebody who hasn't been in a relationship. <laughs> has never been with anybody. Well, you're gonna have a whole lot less arguments because there's no reference. You're the only thing they've they've ever known. Well, they say that when you start a church, do that. But God said, no, 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 no. He said, Keith. He said, I want you and Melanie to just just your your target is to love my people, whoever they are. So whether they're churched or unchurched. And I understand why people target the unchurched. Because you don't have to deal with no baggage. But then you also don't have to use as much love. You also don't have to, to, to press into God deeper to hear from God for people because whatever you tell them is fresh, fresh out the back. They, they ain't been exposed to nothing. You could teach the oldest, 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 oldest sermon. You could teach the stupid sermon that you, you don't even want to even uh, see on video no more. But it'd be fresh and new to them, right? But so, so this is the thing, like, like when people have come here and they've been hurt, what they do, so I've been hurt. So, okay, I'm going to use my wife on this one. So, we, so I don't know what year it was in the relationship. When she came to me, she says, honey, she says, you know what? I haven't given you the best of myself yet. I was like, huh? She says, well, you know, I remember when I first started out relationships, that's all these wonderful things I like to do. I would do this and I would do that. She says, but I got so played, I don't have, I, you know, like I haven't had that, that desire. You know, because you shift to proving everybody. You know what I'm saying? Like before you was just living in a relationship. Now it's everything is a test, you know. You got hurdles, man. Like, <laughs> I had to be agile. What's the uh, thing, uh, American, what is it? American Ninja. Like, I had to be American Ninja, <laughs> you know, to get through the test. You know what I'm saying? You know, like, am I, am I, have I qualified yet? Right? And, and so, 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 so God and his men and women of God have to deal with the same thing because people go through tests. Let me just mention, see, I don't know. Let me vet. Huh, what, 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 what was that? See, I was almost about to give myself all into the ministry, but that, that one statement right there. And the whole time, the person that's doing the testing is doing like 17, 20 different things that, the, that the, the, the man of God can be like, whoa, whoa, what? You know, but one little thing, you, you, you know, uh, you saw me and you didn't speak. The person probably didn't see you. And, and I, I'm saying that to say, like, if we, if we get back to I keep my promises, right, if we get back to that, now we can go and live our life and give ourselves to the things of God. Because what? Our confidence is not, it's not Pastor Keith, Pastor Mel, it's not in your husband, your wife, your promises, your, your confidence is in God keeping his promises. See, we're not designed to cover ourselves, to protect ourselves and stuff like that. That's God's job. He keeps his promises. He already told us what he would do. Maybe we need to go back and read, well, we're going to be doing it in this teaching, but, but read through the things that God has been saying. So that's why... I, I, I see what God is doing towards the end of the year as he's setting us up for, for, for 2022. <laughs> right. Well, I already know what the vision is for 2022, so I already know. <laughs> but, but I can see how, why he's uh, walking, in, like he told us, the end of the year to be more diligent. And within all this diligence, because he had me, uh, he had all, everybody teaching things that were stretching and awaken and uh, Get everybody disciplined. But in the midst of that, he threw in, hey, I keep my promises. Because he knows coming into next year, you're going to need to know that. Because next year is not a year where you can go, well, you know, I'm just kind of waiting for such and such. No, 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 no. That, that, that ain't the season. You'll miss a window if you don't jump in. You'll miss a window if you don't jump in. And listen, vacation's over. Respectfully, vacation's over. Now, for some people, that's, you, uh, you know how you have vacation time at your job and you have to come back 
but then like you really enjoy the vacation, you really don't want to come back, but you had a particular time you're supposed to be away. Well, now if you don't come back, there's, you, you, there's consequences. You can lose your job. It costs you. Where before you was on vacation, it, was, it wasn't costing you nothing. You had vacation time. So I'm saying that spiritually we've had vacation time. But now if you, if you start to overstay your wake, welcome on this vacation that you've had, okay, you need to heal and we respect that. You need to recover, you need to respect that. You needed to get to a point where, you know, you, you back your vitality and your, your, and your ability to move. Okay, respect that. Vacation's over. And if you stay too long on that vacation time, you'll miss a wonderful wonder of what God's trying to do, especially coming into the up and coming year. So everything is intentional. So, 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 and, and what God's trying to get to us is not a temporary possession. It's something to hold on to. It's not temporary. It's something to hold on to. So just keep in mind, God's saying, I keep my promises. All right? So we'll, we'll end with that one for this week. Uh, we got some other wonderful stuff in the up-and-coming weeks. But um, uh, give me some thoughts, uh, some thoughts of what it make you think about, uh, what did you realize, how did you relate, 